0: Welcome back once again to Entertainment Geekly, your guide to all things sci-fi, fantasy, and awesome. I'm not joined, as always, by my co-host and sensei, Jeff Jensen, who's currently on vacation. But it gives me great pleasure to introduce to you listeners, my friend, my colleague, my nemesis, my clone from the future, Entertainment Weekly's Keith Staskowitz.
1: I am happy to be here. Unlike Mr. Jensen, I do not have a, excuse me, Dr. Jensen, I do not have a fake doctorate, but I will try to. My hardest to not sound not smart. Well, uh,
0: you're, you're doing a great job so far, Keith. Uh, let's dive into some exciting movie news uh, happening this week in, in, in the wide world of geeky blockbusters. Uh, Peter Jackson announced that two movies is not going to be enough. To uh, present his vision of J.R.R. Tolkien's *The Hobbit*, it's now going to be an entire trilogy, which means that he's taking one book, which I believe is shorter than a single entry in *Lord of the Rings*, and expanding it into trilogy form. Uh, Keith, what do you what do you think about this this exciting new development?
1: Well, I mean. To me, it's always interesting to see how books, and page count doesn't really matter. The shortest, I mean, the longest Harry Potter book is the shortest Harry Potter movie, which is odd, but um, I, I just can't bring myself to be really excited about Three Hobbits, Hobbit movie, Hobbitses? Hobbitses. Hobbits and Pieces.
0: Three Hobbit, uh, actually.
1: i I mean... It's just so I I can just see it now. It's all I, mean, I feel like two hours will just be pure helicopter shots of rolling hills. Like if you just compiled it together. <laughs> I mean I I'm a huge I'm a big fan of the Lord of the Rings series, but I just I just it's so much just so much time to be spent in Middle Earth slash. The entirety of New Zealand's tourism industry.
0: Well, and it's interesting because you know, like I, I read The Hobbit, and you know, when when I was a kid, I, th- I think that was you know, certainly that's how I first came to the whole kind of Tolkien uh, universe. And in, in my memory, it's a very kind of jaunty book in some ways. I mean, it, it's it's not quite like you know, given the same sort of epic tapestry and good versus evil sort of backdrop that that you get in Lord of the Rings. And I sort of wonder, like, if that's what they're trying to bring to this, like. I mean, I'm not quite sure the material can support that, you know? I mean, in my memory, it's almost more of a kind of fun fairy tale than it is a sort of three-act epic about the the rise and fall of Middle-earth. <laughs> well, it's, it's there and back again, not there and back again. A- and again, and again, and, and again, again, and again, and again, yeah, I'm, I'm excited for, like, the sort of new annual Facebook update where Peter Jackson says, guess what, guys, now it's gonna be four movies, now it's gonna be five movies, we've discovered an entirely new appendix to Lord of the Rings.
1: I will say, though, if there's one thing that gets moviegoers really excited, it's appendices. I mean, <laughs> maybe, maybe glossaries might edge that out a bit, calendars, Excel spreadsheets... <laughs> I, I just, it's just who, like, how, other than P- token, I'm not gonna use the word fanboys because that token clearly predates fanboyism, but token fans, even
0: them, I imagine, are just kinda like, really? Do we need that much? Yeah. It, 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 it To be fair, that does seem to be the main reaction that I've seen online. I mean, you know, I, I sort of associate the sort of uh, fan mentality with always wanting more. You know, just please keep feeding me sequels and part twos and all and all of this. And it seems like this could be the breaking point where people are just literally like, you know what, I'm, listen, man, like, I I, I enjoy the franchise, but even that's a little bit too much for me at, at, at this point. I mean, Peter
1: Jackson, unfortunately, like, a trilogy isn't even close to what he wants, he wants a real-time <laughs> journey there and back again.
0: <laughs> it's his version of Berlin Alexanderplatz. He's except, just going to have uh,
1: he's just going to have Ian McKellen walk the entirety of uh, New Zealand. From like Auckland to Wellington, well,
0: feasibly, yeah, this this could just be his plan. Is to do, it, it'll be entirely one shot, just them sort of walking the entirety of of Middle Earth, just back and forth over and over again. Uh, it should be should be exciting. I do want to move on though to some other news about uh, franchises that seem to keep going on and on. Uh, Brian Singer, producer of X-Men and the director of the first two X-Men movies, just announced uh, earlier today that the sequel to X-Men First Class, which was itself a prequel, will be called Days of Future Past, which listeners who've read a lot of X-Men know, Days of Future Past is a time travel story which takes X-Men to the future, which I think makes this a sequel, prequel, retroactive, double-reverse sequel. I'm I'm sort of getting lost in, in in continuity already.
1: No, it's a prequel sequel that uses the sequels that this is a prequel to characters from that, right?
0: Um yes. But are they equal? This is this is a good question. Uh, one thing that Brian Singer mentioned was that this could potentially be a way for Fox's X-Men franchise to sort of become its own version of the Avengers franchise that Marvel has, has now set up. You know, this could be a way to connect the first class series, which I believe is still going to be set in the 60s, forward to the, you know, Halle Berry, uh, Jean Grey era that we saw in the original trilogy. See, that... I'm is, already lost. Well, see, to <laughs> me,
1: this is... Hey, Jensen's not here, so let's not bring up Lost. <laughs> I, I mean, to me, I'm, I'm kind of happy just because I get very confused. You know, it's like this movie is set in this universe, and then a week later another movie will come out, and it's like a totally different universe with different characters and stuff. I mean, I'll be happy when we, we boil it down to maybe two or three universes <laughs> and then, you know, that's all movies just take place in those. Uh-huh. You know, just Avengers characters and X-Men characters and, uh, I mean, I, I guess... Steven Spielberg's Lincoln.
0: Well, I kind of like the idea of every studio kind of having Lincoln its own 2, universe. Lincoln 2, Lincoln's Back. Right, Lincoln 2, Lincoln's Back. I like the idea of every studio has its own universe then, you know, like Universal, you know, the Fast Five people will be hanging out with Jason Bourne and it'll just all be like one kind of, you know, each, each month is almost kind of like here's Universal's movie for the month. Here's the Marvel movie for the month. Uh, a horrifying vision of our filmic future. The last uh, piece of news in big franchises, though, Keith, is that uh, there will be a Prometheus sequel. It's being worked on right now. Damon Lindelof is not involved. You know, we talked about Prometheus on our our podcast, and I think that Jeff and I both both enjoyed it, both had complicated feelings about it. Would you be interested in uh, another movie, or uh, what was your kind of feeling about the film? I mean, I'm—I was personally
1: a, a big fan of Prometheus, or at least a bigger fan than most. Um, what a nerd! I mean, and I don't—I'm—I—I I haven't really even liked a Ridley Scott movie in a long time. Uh, I thought I liked it because it was such a mess. I thought it was out there, it was weird and sprawling. Uh, I mean, some of the scenes were on the nose, but they were also just crazy and bananas, and who knows what's going on. And to me. I tend to personally like those kinds of films more than kind of ones that are done very well, like like say the Avengers, where it's clearly put together very well. There's great dialogue, and they manage to give everybody enough screen time. And it, it, it's it's a really great kind of feat of juggling or whatever the heck those balls that hippie kids on quads use. <laughs> uh, not hacky sack. sack. No, not hacky sack. The weird like crystal ones that they go like you know they do all the weird Crystal balls, man. It's well you stash- don't know what you're in Yeah well
0: anyway <laughs> uh my point is whatever i was talking about Well you no know, i mean like Avengers is is very hermetically sealed in a way i mean like you know it, it sort of achieves its ambitions and its ambitions were to be an, an Avengers movie that was not bad whereas Prometheus i think it's very clear had a lot on its mind. Some of it, you know, very ridiculous. Some of it, you know, very existential. The plot just so completely didn't fit together that it almost seems like it was perfect. It was purposely constructed in some sort of magical realist architecture. But I mean, to me, the interesting thing is that, like, the ending of Prometheus. You almost realize that that was not that almost didn't seem to be the story that Ridley Scott wanted to tell. I mean, he seems more invested in this whole notion of let's actually go to their planet, let's learn more about the engineers, let's see what paradise looks like. I mean, that, that sort of intrigues me, even though as I'm saying it now, it sounds like it has the potential to be the unintended sequel to What Dreams May Come that nobody has ever really asked for. What dreams have come, what d- or may have come, or may come in the future? What Dreams May be, Have Will, will Come, dreams. the sequel prequel involving time travel. Dreams uh, of Future Past. Now, uh, we're going to talk today on today's podcast about a movie that's very near and dear to both of our hearts uh, and and a movie that is currently in the news right now, although uh, not for the reason that any of of us really desire. Uh, Dorf on Golf. Right. There is a new Total Recall film uh, hitting theaters today, this, th- this Friday. Um, it is a remake of the Total Recall that came out in 1990. It also supposedly takes something from the original Philip K. Dick novel, although uh, I don't seem to recall Philip K. Dick featuring this many chases and anti-gravity cars. Uh, now Keith I, I sort of feel like just in talking to some of our colleagues people don't really respect the original Total recall movie that much I, I think it's sort of it gets thrown in with a lot of the kind of like Schwarzenegger beefcake 80s films uh, you know I think the fact that, that it's directed by Paul Verhoeven, people weirdly seem to focus more on like his role as the director of showgirls than on a lot of his other really interesting movies and I, I sort of want to just like talk a little bit about the original movie today and you know the, the things that really are kind of interesting about it and I think that First and foremost, I think it's a very intentionally funny movie. I mean, it's very over-the-top in the manner of all of Paul Verhoeven's films, but I think that over-the-topness is very intentional to a certain extent, in a way that a lot of action movies don't really even try to achieve anymore. Um, To me, I mean, to me, that looking at the—I
1: haven't seen it yet, but looking at the trailers for the the new Total Recall— it looks like it could be subtitled Total Recall every single sci-fi action movie made since The Fifth Element. <laughs> Although I'm sure that would have a hard time fitting on the poster. And that's why they didn't do it. But I love the original Total Recall because it almost seems like somehow Paul Verhoeven went into the future, saw this version of Total Recall and said, oh, I'm going to make a parody of this. <laughs> and then went back, back in time to his Days of Future Past and <laughs> just made it. It's it's crazy, it's over the top, and yet it somehow still manages to function as an action movie that gives you guilty pleasure, while also making fun of the fact that it's doing that, which I think really is what, or was, I guess at this point, Verhoeven's kind of great talent, you know?
0: Yeah, I mean, uh, we, should, we should point out here, here, listeners, Keith and I are very big, unabashed fans of Paul Verhoeven. And, even you know, the Showgirls. Yeah, even even of Showgirls. Uh, we watched Showgirls about a year and a half ago for Pop Watch Rewind, which used to be something on our website before it wasn't anymore. Um, and, uh, you know, one thing that... I, I, you realize that Paul Verhoeven, his American period, if you will, you know, he started off with, with RoboCop, then he had Total Recall, Basic Instinct, Showgirls, Starship Troopers, and Hollow Man. I would say five of those six movies are fantastic. Uh, Hollow Man no, is, I was going to say, what do you have against RoboCop? <laughs> <laughs> Hollow Man is not a good movie, and upon rewatching it, 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 it has not aged very well, but uh, he seemed to really... Tap into something that I I think I I I don't want to say that he was the Douglas circa of of our time, um, just because um, you know you could say that about almost any director who's actually very bad. But I feel like. At the time, he was sort of thought of as being this sort of gorehound director, or, you know, this guy who was making these very sort of exploitative Hollywood films. And, I don't know, going back and looking at them, it seems like they all had a lot more on their mind, even if all that was on their mind was sort of like this riff, this huge parody of a lot of American culture. I mean, he, he came from the Netherlands, and he was sort of in, in, in the grand tradition of directors who came to America and then began to deconstruct it right away. And I think that one of the best things about Total Recall is that you know, it sort of ludicrously has Arnold Schwarzenegger playing an everyman, you know? I mean, like, Douglas Quaid is supposed to be, you know, this poor sort of sad sack guy who feels like his life isn't really going anywhere, and then revelations occur where you see that maybe that's not the case. It's just great that, like, right from the start, you're just like, what is Schwarzenegger doing playing any kind of everyman at at, at this point in his career? I
1: mean, Um, one of the... One of the kind of strongest themes in Verhoeven's work is this is dealing with this idea of fascism and kind of this idea of the you know the the Superman Ubermensch, whatnot. Um, I mean, even in Hollow Man, that's what that's about. It's about if a man gets in the power of invisibility, he essentially becomes a supervillain, a corrupt, rapist, horrible human being. You know, Kevin Bacon. Bacon. Yes, Kevin yes. Bacon. Yes. yes, typical weekend at the uh, Bacon household. Oh, Bacon. <laughs> You don't want to know what the seventh degree of Kevin Bacon is. <laughs> <laughs> and, I, I mean, but, but, and you look at Total Recall, and it, it is partially a deconstruction of the Arnold Schwarzenegger ubermensch. You know, the pumping iron, the commando, the, 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 the raw deal. Mm-hmm. The, the, the man who can't do any wrong, who's... Sp- Physically so strong that therefore he must be right. His might must be right.
0: RoboCup also the same thing. Yeah, I mean, this vision of 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 you know of the law and of kind of like physical perfection coming back from the dead. And in Total Recall, it's Arnold Schwarzenegger,
1: but he's not playing that character. He's playing that character if he thought he was just a regular dude. <laughs> and already, you know that that's on its surface so clearly absurd. And Verhoeven knows that, and he plays that to his advantage, as opposed to other movies in which Arnold Schwarzenegger is supposed to be a regular human being and not a robot from Vienna or wherever. <laughs> and that, that, to me, is, is what makes Verhoeven so great, is because he's simultaneously just kind of poking fun and saying, like, mm, maybe we shouldn't be celebrating this, this kind of superheroism so much while also allowing you to somewhat indulge in that.
0: Absolutely. And that's also
1: why something like Starship Troopers, (laughs) you know, it's just as easy to view that as a support of rah-rah, you know, go-go America, jingoism, military might, uh, as it is... To read it as the exact opposite.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, in *Starship Troopers*, if anything, I feel like that's the movie now that you know, if you sort of believe in this burgeoning, uh, you know, rethink of the entire Paul Verhoeven career arc. That's a movie that I think is, is very keyed into that because you know, when that first came out, I mean, I think that the vast majority of people sort of treated it as if it were just some weird, you know, science fiction movie, kind of kind of a wannabe, you know, post Independence Day military sci-fi film that that just didn't really. Connect with people and I mean it's it's now kind of I think achieved this this very deserved cult status as a movie that you know is both certainly very funny very much feels almost like a parody of the kind of like you know Lenny Riefenstahl manner of fascist filmmaking and also a weirdly I mean uh, it's it's a, it's a film that seems to have gotten only more timely in the, in the ensuing decade with you know America going back to war and this whole kind of notion of you know attacking this this enemy in this far-off place that seems very primitive and you know the, just all the kind of like propaganda that goes along with that. I mean,
1: also this notion that's built up over the last few years that Neil Patrick Harris is totally awesome. <laughs> it also fits into that. I mean, one of the. I mean, one of the interesting things about Verhoeven is the fact that it depends on how you look at it. It's either he never w- winks at all or he's winking constantly like somebody with some horrible medical condition who can't control their eyelids mm-hmm. you know it's 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 either you can't see that this is so crazy that it can't be true or you realize Oh my God! I can't believe he actually ha- somehow made these movies in Hollywood.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, it, it's you know this kind of weirdly brings us back, Keith. This 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 brings us back to Days of Future Past. Uh, no, this this brings us back to what you were saying about Prometheus and about you know this movie that is sort of crazily put together. I mean, it feels to me like. The new Total Recall is very much in keeping with the Hollywood blockbuster style now, where you have this sort of like you know what we're trying to achieve is very straightforward. There's almost a sense that you know uh, it's very much in keeping with the kind of post Minority Report and post Jason Bourne style of action movie, where it's very sober. I I I think at least in in the, in the previews it looks very straight faced. I mean uh, you know Colin Farrell is you know playing much more of an everyman than Schwarzenegger ever did, and there's something very you know, more and more of something oddly kind of Boring or even kind of like disinteresting about those movies to me whereas Verhoeven was very much working in this dialectic of I'm just going to pack this filled with weird things and you know even Basic Instinct looked at now is such a kind of bizarre movie with the different sort of like gender things he tosses in there right and left uh, and frankly it's, it's funny because Showgirls has such a reputation for being such a bad movie but it's very well made and you watch it and you have to realize like he, he, he had to have been aware of what he was doing with that. I mean, there, there, there are sequences that are just so completely ridiculous that, but are done in such an interesting way aesthetically. You know, It's not like that happened by accident. Um, I don't think while Paul Verhoeven was watching the dailies,
1: he saw Elizabeth Berkeley's performance and said, oh my god, I'm getting so many Oscars for this. <laughs> I'm pretty sure he knew that this movie was on whatever base level you're reading it, bad. And I, I'm doing quote marks, which I know are difficult to see in Podcast form. it's difficult for so, listeners to, to see. Listeners so you, at
0: home, please do it yourself. Can you can you say that again, but more obviously sarcastic, sort of in your best Chandler Bing impression? Sure. Wait, what did I say? I forget already. Um, but I think you were saying something about bad, oh, bad. That's movies. true. Yeah. yeah. Um,
1: no, but it, it, in in you know it to me, it's also kind of this part of part and parcel of, of this idea of why everybody ganged up on. John Carter versus Battleship. I mean, in my mind, Battleship is just a a pile of awfulness. Mm -hmm. Just awfulness on top of awfulness. And the worst part about it is that it's so mediocre, that it's not even bad enough to be bad. It's just nothing. It's just a bunch of ships firing at aliens. There's no continuity, there's no logic. I don't understand, like, Taylor Kitsch is a bad boy, but he's also the commander of every (laughs) ship, and also, you know, old Pacific War veterans in World War II have no problem operating under a Japanese commander and never think twice. And also, they're on a decommissioned museum battleship at 6 in the morning, and they just pop up like birds on the battlement and say, ah, we're ready to help you, sure. (laughs) And then at the end, nobody explains why there's aliens and they say oh well we that was an alien search party and we got rid of it luckily nobody will send any other aliens after them we're all good humanity saved humanity <laughs> saved until a sequel achieved. that will never happen <laughs> and you know john carter is not a great movie but it was something that somebody tried you know someone was trying to make a good movie and i don't think that's the case with battleship really i think they were trying to just make a movie mm-hmm. and in, it's it, it's the same case with, with you know showgirls where it's seems so much worse than Transformers or you know whatever other your standard of terrible movie is because they're trying something so ridiculous and it's so easy to see how stupid it is on the surface as opposed to again like Transformers which is just. Burdened by horrible competence, Mm. you know, Michael Bay can direct technically and that's what makes it so terrible because it's just like uh, an orange Shia LaBeouf running from robots for
0: nine hours now. Yes, yes. Soon to be, soon to be twelve hours. Although not with Shia LaBeouf anymore. Although who really cares? Um, but what you're bringing up, I think, is so key to why this new Total Recall, in many ways, it, it, it you know, it, it looks like a totally, it could be a totally okay movie. But something about it just really conjures up to me what I think we've lost. And I mean, you know, it it, it is that kind of the sense of the ridiculous as something that is a good thing to try and achieve. You know, I, I sort of feel like. Particularly the action genre and the the science fiction genres, which you know are so much about exploring things that are obviously silly, uh, and and that and that can all almost be part of the fun. It seems like we've evolved so far into this direction where they've achieved so much. You know, they're drenched in gravitas, and they must have some sort of very clear real world analog. Um, and uh, you know, I, 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 I it's almost like now when I see a movie that has even a little bit of that Verhoeven side to it. I I really kind of thrill to it. I mean, earlier this week, I saw a screening of Dread, and I I can't talk about it too much, but just that's a movie that I mean, as as far as just owning the fact that it is an action movie and it's very over the top and it's very bloody, I mean, it feels a little bit more unabashed to be itself. Than a lot of other action movies that cost much, much more and are maybe made in a in a less in a in a less obviously flawed manner. Aaron, um, if you speaking. wanted
1: to brag that you saw Dread ahead of time, you could have just said it. Listeners, I go. saw
0: Dread. I can I can feel your jealousy coming through the airwaves. Um, but uh, no, Carl Urban. Fantastic jaw in, in that movie, just just a fantastic jawline. Um, well, so uh, Keith, will you see the new Total Recall? Is, is there anything about it that 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 interests you, or are, are you just sort of you know you're going to go home and and have a Paul Verhoeven marathon this week? I mean. I just feel it that that's one of those
1: movies that if I see it and if I don't see it my life will be exactly the same. <laughs> and so I just can't. I mean, there's just I mean, what it, what what in the trailers would attract me to it? The flying the multi-tiered flying cars that's been in every single science fiction movie since, mm-hmm. you know, 1995 the uh, Con Farrell
0: running a lot. No, Tom Cruise does it better. <laughs> there is a lot of, there is a lot of roof jumping in in this movie. We haven't seen too much roof jumping in the last couple months. You know, I mean, I think I think I think I think this this could be some of the best roof jumping since Bourne Ultimatum. I I'm a big fan of roof jumping. I'm a big fan of
1: Hollywood <laughs> learning about parkour six years after everyone else. Uh, you know, I love those things. No, I mean it's just, uh, I mean a lot of movies that came out this summer, I, I am, even if I don't think it looks good, I'm at least interested in seeing it. Um, even honestly, even Battleship, you know? I just, I, it, it at least had the how bad is it, you know, at least it might, I can hate watch it. Mm-hmm. Total Recall, I'm sure I will come out of it saying, uh, that wasn't terrible. You know? Mm-hmm. And, like, I mean, who, like, don't I have better things to do with Two hours? Well, I mean, I mean, I assume it's two hours, but based on Hollywood, it's probably
0: what <laughs> for two hours and forty minutes now. They're actually announcing that this Total Recall is going to be expanded into a trilogy. They're they're filming it tomorrow. Part two will be released next week. It's 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 it's, it's very exciting news. I, I mean, I
1: this whole, I, I haven't quite determined how I feel about this whole kind of splitting the golden goose in half and hoping that it somehow myotically m- turns into two golden geese. <laughs> Which I mean, which it did with with you know uh, Harry Potter and and whatnot, but I, I'm just so afraid that we're just going to reach a point where it's a two hour scene of people walking. And then, like, well, and see, like,
0: getting from one place to another. Well, and, and then, see, like, part, see part two for action. No, weirdly, I would be totally happy with that. And, and this is sort of, you know... Uh, listeners, we're going to go back now and, you know, just talk a little bit more about this whole kind of multi-franchise thing. Um, but I, 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 I sort of feel like if... Peter Jackson were adding in more sort of atmospheric stuff or, you know, more sort of scenes of, you know, actors sort of being their characters and not just like throwing lofty dialogue at each other. I'd be excited about that. I mean, you know, I'd love it if the fact that there's a new Hobbit means that, you know, part of it just sort of feels like, you know, an old movie by like, you know, Tarkovsky, where it's just characters walking through a forest. It It feels to me though, like what always ends up getting added, certainly what I think got added into the second of the final Harry Potters is just all of the plot and all of the minor characters who probably should have been erased, but, you know, when you transform it I- into a movie, you know, it becomes even more about this sort of minuscule minutiae of the, you know, bureaucracy of, of Middle-earth, and I, I sort of think that sort of is, is where the, the the problem comes, is this sense of, well, now we need to pack in every single thing from The Hobbit, and the end point of that is Tom Bombadil. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, yeah,
1: you and, and you get... I mean, that, and that's part of the whole kind of Comic-Con, you know... Well, actually... You know, spirit so, of it. Sorry, what was that, what was that Keith? I didn't, that, that was I didn't the that. whole
0: Comic-Con, well, actually... Oh! Spirit. Was that... No, no, is that, is that the entirety of Comic-Con speaking that's, in unison? Is that's that what that sounds like? That's me
1: dismissing millions of people. <laughs> just, out of, just completely, with the, a swipe <laughs> of my hand, saying, I'm better than you... No, obviously not. I, what I'm saying is that in the past... William Shatner would say, What is wrong with you to these people? Now studios are saying, What's wrong with us? Please tell us what's wrong with our movies. How can we shove in more appendices, glossaries, indexes, and copyright information pages and whatnot? Mm-hmm. I I I just it just I don't understand why this minority, uh you know, vocal minority of of moviegoers has a complete stranglehold on on the industry you know green lantern trailer comes out and and fans are like oh i don't know this doesn't seem like the green lantern i know and so they recut it so that nobody wants to no real person wants to see it because who cares about the green lantern oath nobody knows what that is other than you know the number of people that paid to go see it and made sure that there won't be a sequel i mean i it no, no, no! Please
0: keep it up, Listen, <laughs> listeners. You're hearing. Hi- you're, no, I'm not. You're I'm here not, here not being dismissive. It's it's being dismissive. There's, something gr- there's something
1: great about fanboyism, and there's something great about loving something so much and knowing everything about it. Uh, it's just you know, you need m- more than a hundred thousand people to go see a movie, and you can't hold a movie to ransom just because these people know every single
0: tiny detail about that thing. Mm-hmm. Listen, Keith, those, those Tom Bombadil fans, they, 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 are, they are the most vocal minority amidst all, all the vocal minorities. I mean, you know, they've, been, they've been hosting Bombadil events for the last 10 years. and uh, I, mean, for, I mean,
1: one of the things, though, because a lot of people look at this cynically and say, oh, this is Hollywood, and they're just trying to make as much money as possible off of these franchises by splitting them in half and whatnot. I think they're actually being humble because they realize in the future everything they do will be an HBO miniseries. Mm-hmm. So they're just kind of preparing ahead of time to have nine-hour miniseries kind of spread out over the course of a few weeks.
0: Uh-huh. Well, I mean, uh, you know, I mean, at, at this point, uh, The Hobbit will be longer than a single season of of Tremé. Um, you know, that other fantasy epic about the, uh, you know, you know, faraway land. There's a lot the of Orleans. jazz in uh, The Hobbit. <laughs> a lot of jazz. Oh man, there there are going to be so many Middle Earth songs oh in God. this in, in this trilogy. I mean, I mean,
1: Birdie, the uh, the uh, dwarf. I don't know. I don't remember The Hobbit that (laughs) much.
0: Who can forget the saga of Birdie the Dwarf? uh, The the, the, the (laughs) saxophonist (laughs) extraordinaire. Uh, well, uh, Keith, I think that we have, uh, I think this was a good episode, I was so glad to have you on, uh, I think that we'll have to have you on again sometime soon to finish off that thought-provoking rant about, uh, modern-day Hollywood.
1: Remember, remember, listeners, I hate every one of you, <laughs> I just hate everything, I'm an elitist snob, ugh, you can't see, but my nose is so far up in the air, a fly just went in it. you
0: you also can't see it, but Keith is actually wearing the world's only uh Will McAvoy T shirt right yes. now. Oh Huge my god. Huge newsroom fanboy over here. That Will McAvoy
1: is what we should all aspire to <laughs> But you can't because you suck
0: Well listeners, we are the media elite uh, This has been a great episode Tell us your thoughts about uh, the third, fourth, and fifth Hobbit movies uh, And uh, if, if there are any fans of the original Total Recall out there Then let us know Because we do host our Paul Verhoeven fan club meetings uh, Once every couple of years or so uh, Keith, it was great to have you on Great to be here We'll be back next week with uh, Jeff Jensen returning Thanks everybody